From local to global, we bring you the best conversations with your favorite athletes and Olympians. This is the Olympics.com podcast. Welcome to another Olympics.com podcast. Tom Kirkland and our entire podcast team proud to bring this one to you. The setting is this fall of Olympic qualifiers worldwide. So many dreams will come true in the coming months, among them volleyball dreams. Front and center in Poland, you have defending women's Olympic gold medalist USA hunting one of the two Olympic bids coming to the top two at the FIVB Road to Paris Volleyball Qualifier in Łódź, Poland. That's one of the three FIVB Road to Paris Volleyball Qualifiers, the other two in Japan and China. After collecting three consecutive silver medals in Olympic competition, the USA finally broke through and took the gold at Tokyo 2020, first ever gold medal for the Team USA women. I was just crying through the whole thing. Like, I remember our national anthem playing and I just like could not hold it in. I was just like so proud of what we had done. You're about to meet one of Team USA's gold medalists, Micah Hancock, a soon to be 31 year old volleyball star and a leader who understands the role mental health plays in sport. I say this, if it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. You know, if it doesn't feel right, I'm not doing it. Trusting my gut and myself. Micah won back-to-back national collegiate championships at Penn State University, then went on a professional journey to Europe where she starred for years. The high point, though, for Micah had to be helping Team USA to the Tokyo 2020 volleyball gold medal. Other interesting tidbits we'll talk about. She comes from an uber-competitive and successful sports family. Sister Kelsey played volleyball in college. Her mom, Kelly, played basketball in college. And her father, Michael, was a professional boxer. So it's partly, clearly, in the genes. Thing is, Micah wants to take her volleyball world to another level. She's part of an organizing group committed to creating the first successful women's professional volleyball league in the United States. You know, it's crazy that there are around 400 American women who have to go abroad, you know, if they want to continue playing volleyball professionally. Team USA's Micah Hancock wants to change that. Welcome to Olympics.com podcast, Micah. So glad that you found a few minutes to spend with us. Thank you for having me. Uh, we'll get to your League One volleyball. That's LOVB.com, the Pro Volleyball League you're talking about uh, in just a few minutes. But I want to start off with your days as, you know, a little kid. Uh, your family, all athletes up and down. So how did you first grow into sports? Yeah, my family is pretty athletic in general. And I think it was an easy transition as like my parents played a lot of sport and my sister as well, being three years older. Um, I fell into that and played all the sports and kind of dabbled until I found my love for dance and volleyball. And uh, it's funny that uh, your family is competitive. Um, and how does that play out? Uh, like, is it tough to play games in the household? Like, honestly, it's, it's not, I do think my mother is more of the edgy competitor, but, um, something that I, I feel I resonate with her with, but also in the same like token, I resonate with my dad and like his grace for competing and doing it like in a humble way, but also like, I still want to win kind of way. So it's a nice balance. Yeah, that's cool. And uh, your name, Mike, obviously your dad's name is Michael. Uh, how did the family develop the naming process? I, I think that's an interesting part. 
Yeah. Um, they just kind of named us after themselves. I thought they wanted to keep it like within the family, which is cool. And it's a little variation from my mom, Kelly, to Kelsey, my sister, and then my dad, Michael, to Micah. I'm a basketball player and I grew up playing in it to this day. It's a great refuge for me. So how, how come volleyball and not hoops? Your mom played Oklahoma State. I mean, what happened there? Yeah, she she actually moved um, cities frequently um, and because of the Army. And so she couldn't play volleyball to a state she was in. So she stuck with basketball. She loved it as well. But for me, it was just too much contact. I tended, I tended to take it too personal. And I was like, I want to like focus on the game and not like my aggression in general. So <laughs> I think it was better for me to choose this path. Yeah. Well, there's some a little bit of aggression in volleyball, but uh, sure. you can take it out without anything personal. Uh, so, you know, can you talk a little bit about your high school and club start and your where you begin to love volleyball? Yeah, I think um, just watching my sister, my mom play, obviously the first part of it for me was joy, right? It's like keeping the ball off the floor. And then it was um, competing. I just love to compete and see what you can do with the ball. Like you're telling your, this ball to do things and it's like sometimes not doing what you want it to. And sometimes it is. So just like getting the basics down big time for me was huge and loving to like try to master that. And then, yeah, just, um, having a ton of fun and being, being great was like all the skills, not just being good at like hitting per se. And that's obviously what the crowd loves to see and like the big blocks and stuff. But it's like the small things are what makes the game uh, beautiful for me. So that kind of grew when I was young. And you had, you traveled a bit or a lot and, you know, uh, early on and, and you had a chance to see other things, uh, other competitors and, and how everybody else does it too. Yeah. Well, and that's, I think my first trip outside America was to Singapore at the youth Olympic games. And I was like completely dumbfounded i was like well these like i thought it was like a 21 and under so i was like oh like we got this you know like we're kids but we're good you know and some of these women from brazil were like mothers and i'm like wait i thought this is under 21 you know and they're just like <laughs> doing things with the ball and like the what the power they put behind the ball i'm like this is something i've never seen so it's just like opening a whole other world for me it's pretty cool yeah and uh Another thing for me that I'm sure you can relate to even better is is the whole team aspect. You travel together, you play together. It's a family. You know, there's ups and downs, but th- there's always that sense that um, it's not just you. Yeah. No, I think in what we do going overseas can isolate us in ways that like maybe the foreigners who are native to their state where they play, it's, they don't have the same experience. And I think love is going to possibly give them that chance to understand that but also it grow it expands your world culturally and it can do a lot of really good things for you in life but i do think it can isolate you and like we miss a lot of really cool things that our families are doing and like growing community in a place where we want to live so um i definitely think there are pros and cons to like the work that we do but i i've learned an immense amount of just life and wisdom in the last nine years and i wouldn't trade it for anything that's cool uh Back-to-back NCAA championships at Penn State, Happy Valley indeed. Um, is that kind of where your identity as a volleyball star sort of started to form? Like you're like, hey, I can do this and I can I can play with a lot of different people and still be great? Yeah, I think um, that's kind of where I learned like the strength of team and how hard like we go for each other was, was founded there for sure. And 
obviously Russ Rose isn't the easiest coach to play for. People joke about it all the time, but like to be bonded with those girls and to have come out of that, knowing like we're strong enough to do a lot of things and have different employers and, you know, kind of measure up to, is this good for me? Like, I know my threshold now, like there are just so many things that we learned there. And I think that was one thing I learned when I was there was like, I can really compete and I want to continue to do that. So it just kind of, I don't know. It solidified like the belief in myself I had to have coming out of a four-year run with Russ Rose. Right. And I know you noticed this recently, and this dovetails perfectly into your desire to, to you know, bring it all home in the U.S. But uh, 92,003 at Nebraska recently setting a new world attendance record for women's volleyball, volleyball in general, the Lady uh, Huskers volleyball team doing that. Uh, the football team could never put that many people in that stadium. And it's a storied football program as well. I, I, you must have like you're smiling now. <laughs> yeah. No, we were all watching that. Um, so we were at the North Seca tournament in Canada this last week. And we were all watching and just like in like full body chills. Right. Because this sport means so much to us. And a part of it is like you're helping lay the path now but there are so many before us that have laid the path and it's just like really cool to see it unraveling and like we're showing young girls like this is what the sport could be here in america and i'm really excited to continue to do that yeah it's uh it's it's incredible um so you had tons of success with team usa you mentioned the youth olympics 2010 silver medal three-time nations league winner i'm going to read these but it's you know all this uh it's it's a litany of incredible work two-time pan am cup winner over the last eight years playing volleyball in pro volleyball in poland puerto rico and and lately for several club teams in italy so uh is this wanderlust or love of competition or lots of both you know, it's funny. I, I talk with one of our consultants a lot and it's like, I still love this game so much that she, she calls it you're on paid time. Like you get to enjoy what you do every single day and not a lot of people get to do that. And so it's just kind of like giving back to myself what I've, I've given the sport, but it's like this continuous, like reciprocal cycle, the sports giving back to me every day. And I get to, you know, show the young girls what it's, what the life is supposed to look like and what you can do and how you can do it better and, you know, share my experiences. And so I just, I am really trying to relish in like one more year overseas and then come home and see what, see what America's talking about. Yeah, for sure. What's, uh, what is playing, uh, in Europe mostly taught you maybe about yourself? Oh, you really have to get comfortable in your own skin. I think leaving college, um, just not in just sport, but in life, like you go somewhere, you don't speak the language. Like Polish was a really difficult language and um, you have to get really comfortable in your skin. People will stare at you and whether it's because they think you're weird or foreign or pretty or whatever, you don't know. So <laughs> it's like best to assume they think you're cute and you just walk on by. Um, but yeah, you have to get really comfortable in your own skin and like take up some space. And, um, and then in the volleyball world, it's the same thing, right? Like you're, you're climbing a whole new ladder um, and it's just interesting. I think you get to learn, you get a lot of time to yourself. You get to learn about yourself a lot and journal and take in the experience for what it is. And, um, I don't know, culturally too. It's like they go to dinner for three hours in America. It's like convenience. It's like an hour and a half tops. And then you get out of there and you, know, you pay the bill. The waiters sometimes bug you, right? Like in Italy, you have to like bug them. You're like, come here. I want to leave. So just so many cultural things that I think honestly, Americans can learn a lot 
um, if we dive into other cultures and bring it back home and kind of see what works for us, you know, but just about life in general, it's been a blast. Yeah. For sure. Uh, we've lived in Madrid for the last seven years and I, I get you like, sometimes I'd like a little attention from some of the service, yeah. but uh, right. it, it's, it's really unique and it's a blast. Um, you know, we love talking about the Olympic journey here. Uh, Tokyo 2020 didn't lose a set. I don't think in the knockout stage, a resounding gold medal statement. Uh, I mean, it, it doesn't get better than that. Does it? No, it, it, I don't think it does. I still, we have conversations as a team sometimes and like individuals, Hey, you remember this, these moments. And it's just like, we were soaking it in and really there for each other while some of us were really not going through easy times. Right. And we just had each other's backs and we called it clinical. Like that's, we wanted to go in and be clinical about our performance. And I think it spoke for itself. For sure. Uh, Hugh McCutcheon, you may know that name, um, used to talk about, you know, every four years you have to be at your best for two weeks for two hours. Um, that's kind of crazy when you put it all in perspective, like you, you train, you, you have all this, you go, you fly in, you have opening, and then it's down to what can we do every other day for two hours and be our best and, and, and then metal. Yeah. And I think too, it's like about the body of work, right? So sometimes when you, when people hear that, it's like, Oh, how are we going to do that? Is it going to be good enough? You know? And it's like, if you take every day, for two hours and you give it your all or what is it like four or five hours, you know, like we lift and we mobilize and all the things, but your body of work will show itself. So, um, I just, I think I strive to do that and like show our girls as we build up to Paris that like we put the work in every day and it pays off. I can sense that you, you, you believe you're a leader. I mean, I can hear it in your voice. And I know you, I know coach Karaj working, you know, young people in, you got to do that. You have a core there, but I can hear the leadership. Yeah. I definitely sat in that area of life for a little bit. Now I'm realizing, Oh my God, I'm 30. I'm a vet. <laughs> Where did the years go? You know, but yeah, I just like, and not just a sport, but to this woman, like they're just such valuable women. And um, yeah, I just want to give the sport, back what it's given me and so that's to pour into the girls that come after me what does it mean to be an olympian i think it means to be resilient and to never give up on what you want what your dreams are and to look around and be connected to who's around you and like let it rip you know i just think like that there's some freedom and like we don't know what's going to happen isn't that the beautiful thing though of sport is like let's just go be vulnerable together you know I, I like that vulnerable uh, aspect of it. So the medal ceremony, you've had a lot of them and you've had a lot of medals around your neck, but the, the Olympic gold is, is, I imagine you can tell me uh, what, what that was like. Um, uh, for me personally, I was just crying through the whole thing. Like I remember our national anthem playing and I just like could not hold it in. I was just like so proud of what we had done and what we had really given our team the last like year leading up to as we had like that pause year. And I was just so proud of what we did together and emotional, right? Like you're standing there, hand over your heart and with these girls that gave a lot to the sport and like, just thinking about, like I said earlier, kind of like who's come before us. Like we were the, we were the first gold medal. So it's just, it's so much more than just the group that was on the podium. Um, yeah, it was kind of like a full circle moment for me. For sure. Also in Tokyo, uh, Simone Biles, 
you know, spoke up for maybe for athletes and people worldwide there uh, taking a break to protect her mental health. And I'm wondering, can you relate to what she was feeling at any time in your career where it just reached a point where like, what is going on? Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely had. And I still have moments, you know, like, is is this right? There's self-doubt. There's, you know, there's all kinds of thoughts that can creep in as an elite performer. Right. And it was so empowering to hear someone who was so like noted in what she does. And she's like, no, this is my, this is my health, not just like her mental health, but like also her physical health. Like she can get very injured continuing to do things with the spins. Right. And so, um, how hard it was for her, I'm sure it was so hard, but it was so empowering for women. Um, and just athletes in general, I think even male athletes don't, we're, we're kind of like cracking the code of like, Hey, it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to have emotions and express them and be a full human, but there's still like a stigma around mental health and showing that, right. Cause it's, it's the weakness people want to like avoid and actually sitting in that and saying, Hey, I have this emotion and I'm moving, I'm moving through it. It just like kind of shows how strong you actually are. Mm-hmm. So uh, how do you, uh, you know, the suck it up mentality. That's what I grew up with, with coaches. And, uh, you know, you're not even aware that you're going through anything. You just, you suck it up and whatever. Uh, right. What can you do? And now you're a leader. What can you do maybe as you work with your younger players, younger teammates to say, hey, you know, it's okay to express this or, or take a, take a break or whatever. Yeah. Um, I honestly, we talk about like breathing and journaling quite a bit because I think it's one thing to talk about things like in therapy. And, um, I do think people should go try therapy and if it's not for them, it's not for them. Right. But journaling something and seeing it out of your brain and understanding like, okay, this is how I'm talking myself. Like it just brings so much awareness. And if you want to change it, you have an easier route to do that. So, um, journaling and then just like, when we talk, it's just kind of like, asking questions of like, well, what if it was all okay? Or, you know, like just reframing some of those thoughts, getting space from the negative thoughts. Like there's so many things I've learned in therapy, but also just like with a mentor and it's super powerful too. I think to hear like earlier said, like we can feel isolated. And I think once we share those things, we're able to take it on together. So it's pretty powerful. Thank you for saying that. That's really, um, well articulated. Uh, we're entering into another phase in the fall of, of, of living mindfully, a mindset that we want to uh, develop and explore a little bit here um, at Olympics.com. What is living mindfully? Uh, can Is that something you can articulate? Yeah. I mean, for me, it's like checking in with myself um, in, I mean, all aspects of life, but just being connected to like my breath and my body. And like, if it's, I say this, if it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. You know, if it doesn't feel right, I'm not doing it. Trusting my gut and myself, like when I need rest, when I need water, when I need food, you know, it's, it's really, it can be simple and sometimes to slow down is hard, but I think especially for people who are on the road a lot and like living out of suitcases and hotels, and it's like really, it's just really important to get into with who you, who you are and what you need. Got to write that down. If it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you do for fun to get away from sports and career? I, I, you're, you're edging toward it. I, I know journaling is important. Um, meditation and quiet time. Those are all sort of part of the recipe, right? Yeah. Um, I love live music. I love live music. I love to shop. I love fashion. Um, and yeah, just being outside. I'm a sun baby. I want to like soak it all up, which is like, I'm trying to protect my skin, but, um, 
I love to be outside. So just activities outside or grabbing a drink with a friend, coffee. Um, but yeah, for sure, quality people and quality time are like my go-to things. Elite athletes, you know, you guys are always looking for the next level motivation. You know, how do you get yourself going? It's right there for for you guys now. You came in fourth at the VNL League of Nations competition in, in the U.S., silver medal at the uh, Narseca Championships in, in Canada, losing, uh, losing, I think, the D- Dominican Republic. What is it? What is happening to you guys or is it not a big deal? Well, I... Or are you trying to figure uh, that out? Yeah, I think it's a <laughs> process, right? Like we have built a new roster right it's not it's not the same as tokyo we've had some retired players fully retire and some retired players come back you know so just finding our groove is a a team um and i think we need to have a little patience because there is a lot of comparison to tokyo and it's like hey that's the past right and like it was amazing but also this is a new group of people and this is a new puzzle to solve. So I think we're just still working on what that puzzle, how that puzzle fits and like what the solutions are to, to winning a battle. You hit it. You know, it's so hard in sports to say, you know, like you see it all the time in the NFL. Like if you won it last year, it doesn't make any, like you're the defending gold medalist, but everybody's better. Everybody's trying to get you guys and you don't know that you'll have the best, you know, two weeks, two hours at that moment. Right. Sure. But I think like earlier stated, like no one knows, right. It's just like, we owe it to ourselves to go out there and rip it. So, um, yeah, just putting in that body of work right now and until Paris. Uh, okay. Here come the Olympic qualifiers, which is part of the reason, uh, we're delving into this with you now, um, around the world for so many athletes, you know, there's so much pressure and so much, so many dreams on the line and so many sports, uh, your challenge coming up in Poland, the home team, Poland, they beat you at the VNL, I believe. Germany, Italy, Thailand, Colombia, Republic of Korea, and Slovenia. It's the path to Paris. So um, what can you tell us about going there? And and you've already been through this road, uh, but certainly you're one of the favorites. Sure. Um, yeah, I think just staying focused on, like, we're such a competitive group. Like, we just left Marseca, and we were putting a lot of, intentionality into those games and just bringing that same intentionality to this, to this group of games. Um, yeah. And just playing with a little bit of freedom of like, this is like our practice round, right? Like this is like what we need to use as momentum to birth ourselves to the Olympics. And I think we have another level to unlock and we're just learning, we're learning and we're working on like, what does that look like for us? What's that cue? What's the, you know, um, yeah, just like the, the the puzzle that I'm talking about is, is it is it people? Is it solutions on the court? You know, like, is it, you know, there's so many different answers. And the cool thing is, is like, we have them. We just need to figure them out together. So, right. Well, I know some coaches don't mind a, a loss in the run up to something because it gets your attention. You guys might be more coachable. They might be open to maybe some wrinkling. <laughs> exactly. And I think that's one thing that Karch and I spoke about was like, it's better now than later, you know, and knowing that, Hey, we've got some things to work on. That's totally okay. Let's get to work. You know? Yeah. Uh, back to basketball for a moment. It's incredible that you have a lot of great athletes on your team, obviously, but I believe you have several who are daughters or relatives of former NBA stars, Asia O'Neal, uh, Khalil Lanier, Avery Skinner. So there's a lot of that lineage too. Yeah. A little bloodline action going on. Um, <laughs> yeah. You can definitely, like 
they're all they're all so different but asia especially like just there's so much like stillness in her as she competes and it's like it's honestly it's like where the hell did you come from because she's still in college and i'm like this is awesome like i can't wait i can't wait for her if she wants it right this world overseas would eat her up and she would love it but i think maybe she wants to be home and like play in america which is really cool right that's the that's the dream but i'm also like you could go overseas and you know if you hate it you can come home but we'll see i mean i'm really excited for her though especially we're winding down just a few more i know you you got to take care of business in poland but uh how does paris creep into your dreams it does come on <laughs> uh, yeah it definitely does i i think about like getting there and having a group that is ready to just like rip it off at the hinges and that just like really instills this hope in me. Um, and also just to go, you know, hopefully be there and like have my family around. Cause at Tokyo, that wasn't really a right. thing, right. Experience a full Olympics would be like really, really cool. But obviously I don't want to take away from Tokyo. Um, but yeah, it would just be a different experience. And Paris is just like, one of the most romantic cities. So it'd be really cool to, to show my family that and also just to be there and experience that atmosphere. And they're going to do opening ceremony on the sand. I mean, can you imagine? It's a it's an ambitious project, but, uh, you know, you got fans coming back and then it'll be a fairy tale opening. Yeah, no, it would be it would be really cool to be there. And um, yeah, I'm just hoping hoping we we have the patience i think is what I'm, we're working on as a team now to get us the birth here soon uh okay where'd you get the idea to form the league one volleyball it is lovb.com if you're out there and uh you want to uh, check it out uh why do you think it'll work in 2024 well i think if you see 92,000, <laughs> it's a pretty good indication that there's a an appetite yeah there definitely is a market for it and i think I don't know. I just think it's growing and it's been growing. And I just now with the ideas they have around longevity with the sport and the way they're going about it, I'm really, um, I'm excited for its sustainability. Um, and just to be a part of it to kind of like lure people in, right. And get it, get the wheels turning, get it going is, is really exciting for the sport. Yeah. I mean, you've seen up close what it's like in Europe. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy there and there's no reason why that kind of, enthusiasm can't be in the u.s especially with you know the rise of women's sports everywhere um it just has it has to be done the right way though i mean that's your challenge exactly and i think that's what kind of scared me when i saw okay there's like three leagues now you know what's that look like and i mean we'll see in the future but in the past they've tried certain companies i'm not even sure the names at this point but hearing about leagues and they, they fail and I'm like, okay, we've only got a couple more shots to get this thing right. So we've got to do it right. So it sticks. And, um, I really think that this could be the one. We wish you a lot of luck with that. Uh, like I said, maybe you might want to put a franchise in Lincoln, Nebraska. I'm just saying. Right. I know. <laughs> yeah. That wouldn't be a bad call. Micah, thanks so much for spending some time with us on this olympics.com podcast. Good luck in Poland and, uh, likely see you in Paris uh, chasing another gold medal. It's been a real joy uh, and a treat to talk to you. Thank you, Tom. Take care. Thank you, you too. This is the Olympics.com podcast. 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 
Powerful words from Micah, focused and feeling her feelings, unafraid to seek help and provide help to all around her. Much more on volleyball available here. Just to click away, great original content across our platforms, including Identify, this transgender volleyball player's path leads to an NCAA women's team, and Arriba Cuba, Cuba's spectacular Caribbean girl. Cuba's national volleyball team dominated the sport in the last decade of the 20th century and became a symbol of Cuban women. Well, that's it for this episode of the Olympics.com podcast. Hit us up at Olympics with any feedback you have. We love the feedback. Helps us get better. You can also hit me up on my Twitter at TK Sports Tweets. We'll see you next time. For more in-depth and original Olympics-related feature content, search our platforms here on Olympics.com. 